Hi, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes. One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. Go get your flannels. It's time for... I never saw that. Metamorphosis. And zits. Animal bags. Nope, no animal bags. Not this week. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Uh, This week we're talking about episodes five and six Mm -hmm. of My So-Called Life. Yep. So we're going to start with episode five. And I'm going to give a little recap. It's going to be shorter. I already gave the recap. Metamorphosis and zits. They got it. No, but actually I'm glad you brought up metamorphosis because I forgot about that theme, which I thought was really great. Um, Recap, episode five. A list makes the rounds at school rating the sophomore girls. Rayanne and Sharon are on it, but not Angela. Patty wants Angela to join her in a mother-daughter fashion show. (laughs) That doesn't go well, as you can imagine, but we'll get to that later. I want to talk about metamorphosis. Okay. I love that book. Jump in there. By the way, I love love Kafka. I love metamorphosis. Isn't it a story? It's a story. I love it so much that (laughs) I don't even know what (laughs) form it is. You clearly are a really big fan. No, it's a great, great, uh, great story. Yes. And I did love the way they used it in this episode. Yeah. I was a little annoyed um, because, once again, we had some parallel plot action going on where things are happening to the kids. Things are also happening to the parents. And they're the same things. I actually liked that. And I I, I wrote down, like, I like the parallel plot lines between Patty and Angela in particular. Maybe this is why I like those though cuz and I can't believe I've forgotten to say this until now because this was one of the first things that struck me when we were watching the pilot that was very odd for me. So we're watching this show about a 15-year-old and we're watching it in a way I'm trying to view it through my own 15-year-old eyes, right? Cuz I missed it. But I'm also a almost 40-year-old woman now and I have two children. So what I found in the pilot, I mean, I generally relate a lot to Angela's character, but there are also times when I super relate to the mom and it's uncomfortable for me. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, what has happened? But I, you know, I really, obviously, like I'm, I'm probably pretty close to the age she was supposed to be in the show. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but anyway, maybe that's why I... Appreciate the the parallel lines because I understand both perspectives, sort of. I mean, her mom is pretty major bummer. I sometimes (laughs) I'm into her and I really want to like her, and but sometimes it's hard. Yeah, well, they they play that up. The I don't know. They do a lot of the goofy dumb dad and yeah mean mom. Yeah, and we'll talk about that too. Yeah, but they don't lean on it too much, and they're more well developed characters than that. But yeah, this whole episode was about metamorphosis and change, and yeah. I I really thought they were they were gonna throw that twist in at the end where because Angela has where a zit. somebody kills somebody. Yeah, I thought they. I, <laughs> her family I thought kills it was her. like her family was just gonna kill her. <laughs> Show over. My so-called mm-hmm. life that ended when I got a zit. And my family mm-hmm. couldn't deal with me because I was a monster. Spoiler alert: That's how metamorphosis ends. 
Oh, we should have said that at the beginning. If you haven't read Metamorphosis, oh god, we go just ruined that again. But that's been out for like a lot longer than twenty three years too. Yeah. So like, I don't think that's on us this thousand, time. A thousand years. Thousand, um, it's a thousand years old. But yeah. So speaking of Metamorphosis and the whole theme of the episode, it opens with the narration at the beginning. Um, Angela says Sharon's life was developing, and my life seemed to be clogged, mm. which. She's actually talking about boobs, boobs and, and acne zits, in pores that, and which I thought boobs. was kind of clever, but yeah, because she's noticing that Sharon has boobs all of a sudden, and a boyfriend. Everybody's noticing that Sharon has well, boobs all of a sudden. In another scene later, a a list is put together by the sophomore boys or by somebody rating all the sophomore girls. Not all of them, but there's a list of. Like maybe twenty girls or yeah, something. Yeah, it's rating like the hottest girls and their hottest assets. Sort of. It's it's like different categories. Yeah. They they list a girl for each category. So it's like best legs. Um, it's super gross, you guys. I'm trying That's to think of other. Key. It's gross. Categories I mean, they get besides it. Besides Ran and Sharon. Sharon's but got anyway. best global assets. Right. In other words, best boobs. Boobs. And Ran got most slut potential. Yeah. Which, which... I want to talk about that. At length, because, yeah. Um, Ryan was stoked, of course. Yes, which which I, yeah. We, we can come back to that, but let's talk about Sharon a little bit, because okay. I've talked some shit about Sharon on this show. You're ready to eat some In crow. the past. And I, she grew on me quite a bit this she episode. She grew, much yeah. Like she, her I didn't grew mean, on her. oh man, oh, we went there. No, she no, no. is being developed as a character. It's great. She's kind of coming She out. is. There's so much development going on in so many ways. Yeah. So Sharon, oh God, this episode, I really liked episode five. There was so much going on in it. Um, and so Sharon, when she finds out that she's in the poll, she is not happy about it. I mean, she looks, she looks really sad is how she looks when she finds out. And then she just becomes very, very self-conscious she starts wearing really baggy clothes and and I what it made me think because I'm I was like the totally flat-chested girl in middle school and high school and I fucking hated it so much and I you know there were other girls with these big boobs and they got all this attention from the boys and I was so jealous but this was a good reminder that you know when you're being objectified it sucks whichever side you're on you know if if you're being objectified even if you're on the desirable side, it's fucking shitty because your worth is still being measured by what you look like yeah. or what your body parts are like. So I liked her reaction just because I thought I thought that was a good reminder. Like it sucks. It sucks to be on the list and it sucks to not be on the list. Yeah. And you know, Angela was upset because Ange- she wasn't on the list. Exactly. And there, the which she didn't want to admit. The scene I was most disturbed by, and I'm intentionally being kind of quiet about this because I obviously don't experience this the same way and this spoke to you more like i think it's gross and the whole episode was that whole thing was gross but i was really disturbed by the scene with um angela's mom and sharon's mom oh god where they're talking and they're just fat shaming no before that sharon's mom brings up the list Mm -hmm. and patty doesn't know about it yet and it's like the list of the hottest girls and the sophomore class and patty we find out later is 
was like beautiful and always pretty and that was really yeah, which a big she still part is of her. also and that but, yeah. whole thing was annoying too and that's like, the whole parallel thing she's aging and getting lines around her eyes and it's an issue but the scene that i was so disturbed by was the two of them had totally different reactions like sharon's mom was upset because her daughter's embarrassed because she's on the list and she's being objectified and patty's mom is like well yeah that's gross but angela's mom. angela's mom sorry patty is like yeah that's gross but She's also, you can see, she's like horrified that Angela wasn't on the list. I didn't even think she said it was gross. I don't think she even had well, that they gave negative it, a response to it. She said like one thing like, oh, no, oh, oh, that's terrible. But it was kind of like. Well, and then Sharon's mom is like, because Patty's like, I don't know why I haven't. I, sorry, I don't know Sharon's mom's name. We're going to have to figure that out for the next Mary Kay Place is the actress's name, but yeah. But yeah, so Sharon's mom is like, well, you don't know about it because Angela's probably not on it. Yeah. And. Patty's just like, yeah, I guess she wouldn't be. And then looks all like forlorn. And it's like, Well, it's horrible. It's like you're fucked if you do and you're fucked if you, like, so you want to be objectified because that's what all your value is. That's what society tells you. But you don't want to be objectified. Oh, God. Oh, and that whole theme, by the way, she feels, has always felt like her mom expects her to be pretty but she just doesn't think she's pretty of course she is but like you know she has ones that i had acne and i it's hard for me to even talk about it now it's it's been such a traumatic experience in my life so it was really painful for me when i wasn't meeting that standard and so that part with angela that was very that was really close to home for me yeah but i still i didn't feel like patty ever really got it like patty never i don't know there was all this stuff about her once having been pretty yeah and they show like a glamour shot from the 70s yeah and she has like a few smile lines and all of a sudden she's no longer attractive i mean i get that that i don't think that's what they're actually saying they're saying that this is how it is for women and it is i mean everything you've been taught about what is worthwhile about you is suddenly not worthwhile anymore Mm -hmm. but also there was a part with patty and graham i just do not like that guy and we we can talk about it more i can't (laughs) get i can't get down with graham i know he's supposed to be likable i think and i just don't like him he just seems fucking slimy and he's not very nice to patty honestly like he doesn't he gives her these like half almost backhanded compliments but yeah they're lying in bed and she's talking about how she's older and not attractive anymore and he's just sort of smiling smugly at her. And it like, yes, you are getting less attractive. But there's no mention of the fact that he is also aging. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. But they talk about it later. And she brings up the fact that yeah, women then get they less address attractive. It. Right, and, right. Men and men just get more and more attractive and more desirable as they get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, back to Sharon, though. Um, Sharon has a boyfriend. Oh, God. Okay. Well, first of all. Brian was creepy as hell this mm, episode. Yeah. He was so gross. Even Just a though lot of staring at boobs. I mean, and... you know, I guess that's a teenager thing. But it was really gross. Like, he could not stop staring at Sharon's chest. And she noticed it and was really uncomfortable. And it wasn't just Brian. It was the whole class of boys. Like, well, yeah, but they, they really showed yeah. Brian a lot. Like, Brian suddenly but, is interested yeah. in her. But anyway, I was super stoked that... Sharon broke up with what's his dick when the Kyle fucking Kyle when the list came out because she knew that he was part of creating it. I was like, yes, girl, 
dump that asshole. And she did. Uh, but then she takes him back later. And it's really She takes him back in the band room. Lamest scene. Oh. Kyle. Right, he steals her shoe, which is yeah, like, which first of all, fuck off, Kyle. Yeah, he takes her shoe so that she'll talk to him. I didn't get that either. He like he wouldn't give her shoe back until yeah, until, until she would she talk to him. To him. Um, I mean, so that's was, a great way to start a conversation. It was Kyle. funny because Brian Brian like barges in and then sees it and then steps out and closes the door and Ricky comes by and Brian's like they're in there and he has her shoe and she won't give it back to him and Ricky's like are they doing Oh, I've never heard of that. No, he's, he's like, really are they kissing? But... And are they more than kissing? So they're looking through the window and Brian's like, they're doing like he's making her beg for her shoe. Making her beg for her shoe. Yes, that's what it was. And then Ricky was like, ooh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, Ricky's funny. Really funny. Um, but it's she takes him back after that scene and his speech, he his says speech. that he's going <laughs> to give a speech. Basically, he tells her like, <laughs> I, it's not just what you've got and how you look. It's. Also, other things. Like, that's basically... It was the lamest speech. This is what I wrote about this part. Nice sweater, Kyle. <laughs> also, give nice her sweater. her fucking shoe back. Also, nice speech, Kyle. Yeah, and she forces him even. She's like, what else? This what is, else this do is I have? What she, what do you... This is what he says. I wrote this down. He says <laughs> he likes her smile. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then she smiles, of mm-hmm. course. And she's like, okay, what else? And he's, And he's like... You're usually in a good mood. Yeah. And I thought you liked me. Oh, and it seemed like you liked me. Yeah, real high bar, Kyle. Way oh, to go. Jesus, Kyle. A girl looked at you once and didn't Fuck off, fucking Kyle. puke or die. So. Oh, I do not like that guy. But anyway, she took him back. Oh, but then oh, yeah, he makes a weak. comment. He's like, and I don't like you just for your boobs, but... I am glad you have them. Yeah. So then it's totally clear that that is the only reason he likes her. The dudes in this high school don't have a lot of game. Anyways, I guess that's... Oh. Oh, there's well, so many other things to talk about. No, no. I was just going to say that's it about the Sharon part. But that is it as far as the Sharon part on the list for me. Go ahead. Well, we can go back and talk about most slut potential, yes. Rayanne Graff. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> These lists are so fucked up and horrible, and I hate them, and people still do this kind of shit, rate women and pit them against each other, and it's so disgusting. So that's out there. But Rayanne's response to this... Like, Pretty much the best response. I mean, she's so happy about it. Yeah. And it sucks because really she's just happy because she's gonna she's getting male attention yeah. and really anything for male attention. But also, I thought they did a really good job in this episode of not slut shaming, which again was so out of its time. There's a scene where, well, you actually okay. So Rayanne is really excited about it at first. She's like, "Yeah, slut, yeah," like she's she's owning it, she's into it. But then you do find out later that she's kind of self conscious about it because there's that scene in the bathroom where. Angela's talking to Sharon and Rayanne gets jealous. I don't want to be friends with her again. That's fine. I don't. Okay. Maybe you do. After all, she's not a slut. Yet. You know what? How many guys you do or do not sleep with is like so none of my business. It has nothing to do with our friendship, okay? so good yeah i mean 
just no slut shaming at all. They never went there with it. And I loved that. I really appreciated that. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I do want to just say that, yes, I do think her response was great. But, of course, the best response would be, fuck dudes. Why do they make lists oh, like yeah. this? But yeah, fuck you guys. When it's out there, yeah. her response is great. Like, Yeah, I mean, she And it's perfect it. for her character. Well, and... I guess I just thought it was great because slut shaming... Slut shaming was a big thing back then. At this time, I mean, oh, yeah, that's what all... you called a girl if you wanted to right. hurt her or her reputation. You call her a slut and... And it that's still why is, that's right? why I thought it was really cool. Um, I don't know. Well, yes, I think it's less so. I mean, yeah, the whole concept hopefully. of slut shaming is pretty new, so it's it's one of those things that people are more aware of than yeah. when we were young. Another thing that I really liked was well, I didn't like it, but I like that they're addressing it. Uh, Ricky got a little more time, and people started talking apparently about him going to the girl's bathroom yeah. and he explained to Rayanne, he's like, I just, that's not, I don't want to be a girl and I just want to be in here. And so then there's a scene where he goes into the boy's bathroom to use the urinal and Brian just stares at him and he's like, what? I can't even come in here now either. I know. I, oh God, Ricky in the boy's bathroom broke my heart yeah. a little bit. But then he and Brian talk about yeah, they're like too. They're becoming friends. Yeah, and that was sweet. He talks about how he looked it up and the Egyptians wore eyeliner to ward off evil spirits. Yeah. And so he tried it out and Brian's like, oh, so you believe in evil spirits? And yeah. he's like, no, I just like the way it looked. He's like, yeah, so, mostly I just like the way it looks. And Brian's yeah. like, oh, well, that's cool, I guess. Like yeah. he's sort of weirded out by it, but also pretty cool about it. Yeah, Ricky, they they address, I feel like they um, they almost get to like him as a non-binary character you know he's more comfortable in the girl's bathroom he's more comfortable in girl spaces but he identifies as male still i don't know where yeah, i was going with that cool it just that was it's like, a more nuanced character than i would expect from 1994 yeah on tv absolutely and they're not labeling him with like one particular thing or some extreme yeah or painting binary. him as some comical you know, over the top, like he's not just right. the butt of a joke. He's not a punchline. He is a character with this gender identity that's different than other people's. And the way they handle it so far, I just fucking, it's so, it's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, him in the boys' bathroom made me really sad. He just, although he went in there, there was a scene, there was like a bunch, a group of yeah. boys in there. And I was like, oh no. But they, he just sort of waved at them and they were like, What's up? Give him a head nod and seemed like it was okay. But oh my god, can you imagine the anxiety? No. No, you can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm talking a lot, so. Yes, you're talking a lot this time. I don't think I should be talking a lot about a lot of these things. Can we talk about the band teacher? That was some good casting. You band probably don't teacher. even remember that guy. I remember that he asked Sharon to play her part again. He was bald and uh, he had some weird little like beatnik beard and pocket protectors and it just looked like a weirdo band teacher oh we're gonna talk about the way teachers are portrayed in Mm -hmm. when we talk about episode episode. six (laughs) dude yes (laughs) which is pretty hilarious actually but fashion magazines were big in this episode Mm -hmm. and everyone's looking at them and Oh, and wanting that weird to be scene the model with the model in the bathroom. Right, with Angela. Angela saw the model come out of the poster. It was really strange. It was very strange. I mean, she talked to her, and 
Actually, I think that that's not strange. I mean, that's basically how you feel as a girl looking at those pictures. You know, you're so what happened is the model from this magazine that everyone's looking at in the show and talking about how just gorgeous and flawless she is. She comes out of the poster in the bathroom and Angela's just sort of watching her in awe as she's like playing with her hair and Angela's like looking her up and down, looking at her body and she's talking about her boyfriend and how much he loves her and how beautiful she is and all this stuff. And um, she keeps saying to Angela, oh, I just oh, have you're these so dark lucky circles because... under my eyes. You don't. You look like you got a lot of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it works both ways. Like even beautiful women are self-conscious. And, and comparing. Yeah. To, yeah. But that is how it feels to be a woman looking at those pictures is like you just feel like nothing. I mean, those magazines just make us feel like nothing. Uh, so I actually thought that scene, that scene made sense to me because I mean, cause I've been Angela. <laughs> There's a part where Angela and Sharon are really mean to each other about the way they look. Oh yeah. Angela tries to, okay, there's the fashion show. So Patty wants Angela to do this fashion show and Sharon and her mom also do it. Apparently it's like an annual thing. And Angela and Sharon are in the bathroom at one point. Angela tries to ask Sharon, are you doing that fashion show thing? And Sharon just straight up ignores her. And Angela's like, I can't even ask you a question now. And then they get super mean. And of course, the way they're mean is is like talking about the way they look. I mean, what is so frustrating about watching that scene and just watching and having lived through and observed so many interactions exactly like this is that you we're just like pawns of boys when we do that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like we are just playing into lists like that. And right. And I I saw in their faces, the actors even were able to portray this. Like, I don't even want to say this to you. Yes, totally. But I'm saying it because. Yeah. Cause I know it'll get to you. Yeah. And Angela, yeah, she makes some comment about like, congratulations on getting on the poll. Yeah. And it's not even that mean what she says, but she knows Sharon well enough to know that it's going to be really hurtful. Yeah, Sharon just says, Sharon's like, go pop your zit. Yeah. And then Angela comes back with, congratulations. Which is also on... like really hurtful to Angela because she's so self-conscious about it. And, you know, she even says at one point, and it goes along with the metamorphosis thing, you know, that she felt like the zit became all that she was. Mm-hmm. It had like taken over her. And oh, Jesus yeah, that's how zits are. That's how. Oh, God. I still and get And when she says she's ugly. I'm like, oh, God, that's all I can see when I look in the mirror. But nobody else notices those things, you know? Well, yeah, like, but when you're a kid with acne, people, I don't know. Right. I just, I had so many years where I was so ugly, felt so ugly, and, and was ugly by, you know, society standards. There's a lot to talk about with the fashion show. Is there? Yes. I don't have that much to say about it, but go ahead. Um. Well, I think during the fashion show, I was impressed. I think the um, wardrobe people did a really good job of actually making really shitty looking clothes. Really <laughs> shitty looking clothes that looked like mom dress, mom sewed them. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, your mom? No, not my mom. Um, although my mom did come up because when I was watching it, because Patty makes a comment about how she loves to do it. It's so much fun every year, and she loves sewing. And what's her name? Danielle, the younger sister, 
Oh shit! Like I wrote, you oh. always swear when you sew, which is oh she great. said that. I don't remember yeah, that. I think so. She she said something like that, and it that's made a... me think. Oh yeah, that's where I learned all my best swears was oh, when mom totally was upstairs mom. sewing. Yeah, yeah. It's just a cavalcade like, of shit. shit. Oh, God damn it! Oh, shit! Oh shit! It's mostly just shit. Son of a bitch. But yeah, maybe one of those. A lot of goddammits. Yeah. Uh, and then Patty later was sewing, and she she didn't swear at all. I was really disappointed. That's but bullshit. Um, Ricky came in and oh, yeah. he says something about, oh, nice stitch. I hate basting. And yeah, and I, he, I had to look at Mike and be like, basting? The fuck is he talking about? And then it's he like, mentions something about the dress that's sitting there on the dress form or mannequin or whatever. He says, oh, it looks very Mary Quant, which Patty had said earlier. I still don't know what that means, but um, some so designer or something. Ricky's. Ricky's into sewing, and I liked that. I did too, and I also did appreciate there was a brief part where Graham was sewing the merit badge onto Danielle's mm-hmm. like Girl Scout and vest Brian or whatever that in. was, and I did appreciate that small little gesture there. Yeah, what did he say? Like, like you've never seen a guy sew on a merit badge. Um, can we talk about poor what's her name for a little while? Oh my god! Okay, I think in the credits list at the beginning it actually says. What's her name as who the fuck is that? <laughs> like this because she's so forgotten. I, she's so neglected, this kid. Oh, God, it's awesome. I, okay, I, a few different times while watching it, because I've been trying to take notes so that we can be more organized in our conversations. Here's, here's the first note I took. Poor little Danielle again. Call CPS for this kid, goddammit. <laughs> that was my first note. And I don't even remember what was going on. I just know that she's like trying to get someone's attention and everyone's just like, shut up, Danielle. Oh, here we go. Here's another one. Danielle, nobody gives a shit about this kid. <laughs> and then at the end, though, my very last note on Danielle was, Danielle, she did a thing and she crimped her hair because yes. she ends up doing the fashion show with Patty mm-hmm. only because Angela suggests it because she knows how much Danielle wants to do it. Yeah. Patty never would have even considered it because they hate their kid, apparently. And Angela says she's like pouting on the couch and telling Danielle to shut up and stop singing this annoying sexist song that she keeps repeating. And Angela tells her, I can't even... Like, mom doesn't even like me. I'm not pretty enough for her, blah, blah, blah. And Danielle's like, at least you're Danielle. Basically, Danielle's basically like, is, she never even considered me. Yeah. I'm not good. I wasn't you're at least better than enough. I am. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. And that's when Angela realizes, Poor oh, baby. you do want to be in the. Right. And thing. they do. And it's cute. She comes out it's with very sweet. awesome her crimped so hair. Rad. It's like a high, a very high side, side ponytail. ponytail with crimped hair. So frizzy and big. Mm-hmm. It's dope. It's super dope. Also, speaking of hair, um, Sharon had a pretty cool denim scrunchie in this episode <laughs> that I feel is worth mentioning. I didn't notice that. See, these are the things you notice that yeah. I never pick yeah. up on. This is why we're such a good balance. Mm-hmm. There is a scene where there's a Malcolm X video yeah, playing. Yeah, that was weird to me, too. I At first, I was like, yes, Malcolm X, awesome. And then I was like, wait, are they making that about Angela? Mm-hmm. That was a little weird. They show it playing in class, and the first student they show is an African-American boy. Who's like nodding front, his head. Who's nodding. And then they show the rest of the white kids, kind of. And then it lands on Angela, and she's got her hand on her chin, and she's just watching pensively. And then she's just really feeling, as Malcolm X talks about, how society trains you 
as a black man or a black person to mm-hmm. hate yourself. And yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Ingrained that's this hatred was. within you. Yes. And she's just feeling it. I the mean, little white girl is okay. really feeling well, it. Well, she can relate to hating herself. Yes. And that part I do understand. But I did, that was, yeah, I would say that was not a good choice to a connect Malcolm X to. Yeah, but it was also 25 years ago. You know, now it would be crazy tone deaf. Like people would be. Yeah. You know, I wonder actually if they got any feedback about that at the time. That would be, I'd like to look that up. Maybe for... not, but I bet people still felt it was pretty fucking tone deaf. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I Yeah, and I. They just didn't have Twitter. Yeah, that was weird. Why use Malcolm X for that? Because you're right. He is specifically talking about the oppression of black people. And I mean, it would have been cool if she was realizing like. Yeah, but she wasn't. Like, I have That's this white privilege this or something, you know? Like, no, not at all. But Maybe they'll get there, uh, but I don't, I don't it was think just so. just weird. Yeah, that was one of those where I was like, oh, awesome. yeah, Malcolm X, right on. Like, and then. No, this episode ooh, is all about uh-oh. girls feeling ugly. And you women say that being like it's like it's. Um, I'm not trying to minimize it. Legitimate. It's just they were. She's not staying in her lane by showing by having right. that Malcolm X oh, yeah, no. thing. That was weird. Trying to draw that parallel. <laughs> Here's another note I wrote. <laughs> so there's a scene with Patty and Graham, another scene where they're in the bedroom. Um, and this is where she says, like, you get to just be more attractive as you mm-hmm. age and blah, blah, blah. And he's <laughs> fucking flossing. Yeah, it's gross. Why do we have to watch this dude floss? I just cannot <laughs> get on board with him. I do not like him. I liked him so much less because he was flossing Jeez. in front of us. And that is disgusting. And it's a conversation about attractiveness. And he's just like, oh, fuck it. Don't care. I'm getting hotter every day. I'm going to floss in front of my wife. Dude, don't yeah. floss in front of me again, Graham. <laughs> Great speech, fucking Kyle. There was also a really strange scene that I could not, I was super distracted by, where Patty and Angela are at the mall, I'm guessing, or at some department store, and they go to the makeup counter, and there's this guy behind the makeup counter who is just possibly the world's worst actor. Um, Oh, But I actually thought for a while that they walk up, and he looks at Angela and says, oh, such beautiful skin. What a pretty girl. Yeah. Like, did Patty pay him to say that? Because it seemed she, it was a really awkward thing. She's like, let's browse over here. And then they walk over to the counter. No. So the whole thing was, you know, you find out early on that the reason Patty really wants to do the fashion show, she says it's because she wants her and Angela to do something together. But really, it's because when they've done it before, she has gotten all these compliments on how gorgeous she is and how no one can believe she has a teenage daughter because she's just so beautiful. And so... Yeah, all of a sudden now. But it just seems really weird to me because that, that guy was such really a forced. shitty actor. Yeah. That, that felt very forced. I was like, did she set up this? Oh, this is really bizarre. Yeah, he complimented Angela and and then made a comment about her, the lines by her eyes. Yeah. Like, oh, this this product is great for hiding those lines or whatever. It worked, it was though. So he stupid. sold her the eye cream. I hated that scene. So I liked the mother-daughter fashion show scene at the end, even though, I mean, the clothes were... Very ugly, but it was a it was a sweet scene with these mothers and daughters. Last thing I want to talk about with this episode, which also comes up in episode six, is Jordan Catalano, who again needs help that he clearly is not getting. He comes up to Brian at one point and says he needs to write this paper for Metamorphosis. Yeah, and he asks, or he's going to get put put back in remedial. Yeah. Which is such an old word. It's such an outdated term that, oh, wow. And 
let me just say this. <laughs> Kids with learning disabilities are not dumb. Kids with learning disabilities are smart as hell. They just learn differently than other people. But this kid is a dumb as a fucking brick. And it's not because <laughs> he has a learning disability. It has nothing to do with that. He is just... God, I just... The reason I say that is because he asked Brian, this is this story's made up, right? Yeah. And I was the, like, yeah. oh, dude, really? It's I about was... a guy turning into a cockroach, Jordan. Yeah. yeah. No, and I, I don't think... I think the problem you're having is with the writers and what they're doing. They're setting it up so everyone thinks Jordan mm -hmm. is dumb. And then exactly. in episode six, it starts coming out that right. someone recognizes he's not dumb. Yes. So you're going to see him is change. very this manipulative. Is my, predi my yeah. prediction. Right, He's right, going right. to be brilliant all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Suddenly he'll have all these deep thoughts. These things that were like so stupid before are not going to be explained or referenced or anything. They just had to develop the character this way. No, you're right. You're right. That is what I'm frustrated by, is that it's clearly meant to... It's very manipulative, yes. I think, emotionally. Uh, but we're going to find out he's not dumb as a brick, but right now he is dumb as a brick. And again, it has nothing to do with whether he can read. There's a really great moment with um, Sharon and Angela in the bathroom, which I sort of referred to earlier. Rayanne walks in and gets jealous, but Anyway, Sharon and Angela are in the bathroom at the same time a lot for some reason. Yeah, there's only, um, they have a lot of bathrooms in this mm -hmm. high school and they've been assigned to that bathroom. <laughs> Just them. Just them and Rayanne and Ricky so, and the model from the magazine. They just had this really sweet moment, which was after their really ugly moment. It was later. Ugly where, moment. I see what you did there. Where they're talking about, uh, they start talking about the fashion show again and Sharon says, why do girls have to tear each other down? Yeah. And that was so fucking great. I wrote that quote down too. But then they have a really sweet Girl Scout moment where they like recite a Girl Scout pledge or something. And you're just reminded that, oh, one, these are kids. And two, they've been friends since they were really yeah. little. And I just really liked that moment. And Danielle um, also is selling Girl Scout cookies in this episode. And it happens to be Girl Scout cookie time in real life in the present so go out and buy some Girl Scout cookies. They're they're so good, you guys. And Girl Scouts are awesome. Can we just say that? Sure. Okay. I mean, I'm going to cut all of that. But I just thought that was an interesting coincidence. It's not. Kind of is. At all. Thin <laughs> mints are yummy. Literally nothing interesting about that. When was the last time you had a Thin Mint, Jen? About this time last year? That's right. All right. I'm ready to talk about episode six if you are. Yes. But first... We have to talk about what happened this week in 1994. Oh, yeah. So I have one big thing that possibly explains why there was only one season of My So-Called Life and why Jen never saw it. You do? A conspiracy? September 22nd, JFK. 1994, mm -hmm. a little TV show premiered that would go on to regale us with tales of these seven friends. How many friends? Six. A bunch of friends. Six it's friends. <laughs> it's called Friends. I wasn't a big fan. Uh, um, friends premiered. But on... you may have heard of it. Um, it premiered this week. Actually, it premiered the same day that episode five was released. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it was up against My So-Called Life. They're in the same time slot. Yeah. and Or the same night, at least. And My So-Called Life didn't, didn't win that battle. No. Friends it went on to have smart. more than one episode. Or scene, season, shit. more than one scene. Jesus Christ. I can't um, talk. 
I do, though, think that we need to watch the Friends premiere, at least, because I was gone for that, and that was a big moment. I'm really curious what the pilot was like. Maybe I've seen it already. I don't know. I don't remember. Because I've seen, obviously, I've seen a lot of Friends now. I wonder, was there a laugh track? I think so. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 94, yeah. Everything still had a laugh track. Oh, oh God. I can't even watch stuff with laugh tracks. Yeah. That sucks, though, that they were up against Friends and... You know, again, the easy, unchallenging show won out. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to shit talk friends. It, people love it, and it's it's comforting and comfortable, and the characters are lovable and all that, but it's not deep or anything, you know? It's not, like, profound. I don't know. I think they tackled some big issues. We'll have to talk about that in Friends. I mean, he had a monkey as a pet for a while. That's a... <laughs> they didn't really address that in the right way, There's did like they? An, it was just cool that he had a monkey. couple... But they don't really for a little while. They don't talk about it. I don't think. Anyway, we're this this episode of our podcast is not about friends. Yeah, so let's stop. Yeah, precisely. Okay, so I have. Why don't you tell us some? I have some current events from that week as well. The week that episode five and six were released on September twenty sixth, nineteen ninety four. Switzerland banned racist propaganda. Hmm. Wouldn't that be nice? On September 29th, the first phase of the OJ trial jury selection ended. Oh, really? Yeah. Judge Lance Ito. So that was a really big deal, but but it's funny because it I can, was just... Wait, wait, I can name other people from that. It was just thing. the first phase of jury selection, so it was still like 100 people. Kardashian. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, last thing. OJ. Is... I think I got them all. You can go ahead now. Last thing, which is more connected to this podcast, is that the Pointer Sisters received a star on Hollywood Boulevard. Cool. And I fucking love the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what I got for that. Season one, episode six. What do you think you were doing? What was when I this doing? Came out September like, nineteen ninety four. September 29th, because we're going to talk about episode six. So this was our sophomore year in high school, right? We're the Junior. same. Junior. Was it? It was our junior year. This is right after I went to Montana. Oh, which is, yeah. I was probably sitting at home, alone, uh-huh. or with my parents, maybe doing some homework. Mm-hmm. That's cool. September. I was, uh, I was putting rocks in a backpack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Twenty pounds of rocks that I would then carry around for the next five months. So that's cool. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, episode six. Then. <laughs> All right, the substitute, uh, not uh, the film with Tom Berenger a different substitute um it's actually (laughs) this was super distracting but let's just jump right into it it's the dude from cheers it's robin robin that's right he ends up love interest owning the bar right or his or was he just kirstie alley's love interest i I thought he He, worked for the company that bought he owns yeah he owns the um but he's or or he's the the actor is welsh i thought he was british i had to look it up i mean he is british but he's he's welsh but his accent was bugging the shit out of me because it was, was it supposed to be like Pittsburgh or Brooklyn? Oh, or... I don't know. It was so I actually did annoying. not even notice his accent. I couldn't But that's because it. there were so many other things that drove me nuts about this episode. Yes. This episode was very, very tough for me. Like Great quote at the beginning kind of sets the mood for Jen. Maybe teachers have a hidden life where they're actually like human where they have I don't know 
dignity. Jen just is turns to me, and I know that she's not going to be able to deal with yeah. well, any of this episode. I mean, so just for those out there who don't know this, I have been a teacher. Not, I'm not currently teaching, but I've I have several years of uh, teaching experience, so I'm very sensitive to the ways that teachers and schools and classrooms are portrayed. On it's TV. always so realistic. It's just and true always to life. so wrong, and they got it so fucking wrong in this one that I. It was very hard for me to see past that. Yeah, at the very beginning, it actually made me laugh really hard. They show a few teachers being idiots, but this one, <laughs> this one guy, he's like this little ball guy jumping up to try to reach the map that pulls down you know and he cannot reach it and oh my god it's so funny it's very it's really really hilarious actually but yeah so teachers are losers on this show that's Mm -hmm. how they're well that's what teenagers presented and that's often how teachers are presented yeah and i don't like that but there are teachers like this of course you know but teenagers don't feel that way about every teacher no that's the thing and in walks the substitute robin from cheers or vic racine he walks in well first of all there's another crazy classroom scene right before he walks in where they have like a boom box yeah they're and boom they're just like more paper wads flying out. around i mean they're just sitting in there hanging out and this is not how kids act i'm telling you this is not how kids act and they're it seems like they're trying to make it seem like this class is well they are definitely because their teacher quit and then their sub also like walked out so they're supposed to be like the toughest group of kids right but it's like the lit magazine class too it's like an elective and brian's in there and they're trying to make them look tough i mean i so i did act like this in classes in middle school i remember being just before the teacher came in, we would just be screwing around. Like we stacked all the chairs up in the middle of the desks one day and then we wouldn't touch them. We were little assholes. So I think kids do act like this, but the way these kids are being assholes is just like, we're carrying a boom box around no, no. and it's we're just being that goofy and funny. It's just that it's like forced and it doesn't feel yeah. authentic at all. And then as yeah, soon as the teacher comes in. Some of these behaviors in, are things kids would do. They make sarcastic comments, but then they're instantly just enthralled. By... Oh, it's so... It just makes my brain explode. So this dude walks in and he has a, you know, he has a certain presence, you know, he has a certain confidence that the kids are very attracted to, but and literally as soon as he socks. walks into the classroom, every single fucking kid in that class sits down in their seats and is quiet and looking at him. And I, ha- I almost had to fucking freak out and jump out of my body because that's the most fucking unrealistic. I, it's just, it makes me crazy. Well, Jen, I mean. It does not matter how good the teacher is. Kids don't do that. That's not behavior that kids, that's just not. Okay, but let me ask you this. Have you ever worn a sport coat with shoulder pads that was two sizes too big, mismatched socks, and just kind of acted like an <sighs> asshole, like a super confident like, I have an unconventional teaching style. You guys are into me. Did you ever try that? So that's the magic <laughs> of TV teachers. So the thing that he does, and I'm just going to move on because I can't. I, it, I could talk about this forever and we got to get past it. And I know I need to get past it, but I hate it. I hate classroom scenes like that. But fair enough. He, We get the point. He is a very engaging 
teacher. And what's engaging about him, really, is that he sets high standards. And that's a good thing. And that's something that it wakes Angela up. They they talk about that a lot, that she's waking up because of it. Because he said all their poems were shitty. He threw all their poems out the window, which was just a fucking dick thing to do. And I don't, I don't understand that scene or why anybody would be like, that was a good thing to do. Right. But this whole thing with the teacher coming in and them all being enthralled by him and him, it's all shorthand so they can get through stuff. No, I understand. Stuff. They're trying to set it up. But it's bullshit, Because they only have and I won't 42 minutes. let it stand. Okay. All right. So that's the stand we're Anyways, taking right so now. TV writers, if you're listening. You want to know what a classroom is like? Come and talk to me. Or talk to any <laughs> actual educator. Just, it's not hard. There's so many teachers everywhere. Like, walk down the street and you'll see one. Ask them. Right, but what actually happens in classrooms wouldn't be good TV in a lot of cases. It'd be great TV. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. My, some of my classes would have been fucking fantastic TV. Anyway, uh, so the thing is with this sub, and then I'm going to let you talk. I don't have that much to say about this episode. This sub takes a, an interest in Jordan Catalano, but the way that he does that is by utterly humiliating him. Yeah. and it. Again, I was just like, I can't, like, my heart was breaking in that moment because it's starting to become clear, as we have said now, that he has some issues with learning or academics or whatever. And this sub just puts him on the spot and totally humiliates him. And I just want to put out a little PSA right now. If you are an educator, please don't do that to a kid, especially a kid if you know they have any sort of. I mean, even if they're just super shy, just don't do that to a kid. Don't intentionally humiliate and embarrass kids. It's not a good thing to do. There's no reason to do that. Yeah. Please don't. But it works on the on the show. <laughs> of course it works. Of course, yeah, at the of end of the show, Jordan's because... like, he's the best teacher I've ever had. Well, but it but the way he did it was shitty. They could have gone about it in a totally different way. But he at one point has him sitting there after class and is forcing him to read out loud to him, and he's like, just say the words, just say the next word. And then he tells him, read all these. Go home and read all these. And Jordan's like, are you serious? And he says, yeah, they're only, they're haikus. They're 17 syllables. Just go home, read them all, and right, bring right. them back. It's not a big deal. But like, here's, That's not how you teach a kid no, who doesn't stupid. know how to read. Super stupid. But here's, here's <laughs> what they're doing there with their shorthand there is, yes, I mean, it I know, seems like no one's ever but... heard of special education on this show or like any kind of good teaching. But anyway. Um, I think it's the, coming. The thing that they're going for here is that this person noticed and took an interest in Jordan and everyone else has right. just given up on him and like called him a dum dum like I have. And he spent time with him. And then he does say he spent time humiliating. He says this him kid and... is smart and nobody took the time to notice and so now he can't read. But he doesn't tell pisses me off. He doesn't tell Jordan that. He just yells at him. No, but th Jordan gets that point. No, he does yeah. actually. Yes, he does. He says, you are not dumb. Don't okay. play dumb. He does. Uh, yeah, later and that, he says. that I appreciate. Don't you ever play dumb with me again. Yeah. His other tactics were questionable. This fucking guy. Which, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's questionable about him we find out about. This episode was just full of twists and turns, Jen. Well, first of all, he hit on Patty as yep. soon as she walked in the room, which I thought that was going to be like a plot line or somebody would give a shit about that. But no. He I just think, hit on her. I think that was just the actor just ad-libbing. They just left <laughs> that in there because he's just so smooth. Yeah, it was gross. Do you remember the scene with Patty and Graham where they're unloading all the 
groceries yes. and talking about how busy they are. And they went shopping and they have the toilet paper and they have all this other stuff, but they forgot the cat litter. You said you were going to get it. Yeah, but I was in another part of the store getting something else. Ah, oh, gee, we're so busy. <laughs> and so... Yeah, and then Patty says... You know what we need? A wife. Yeah, that was weird. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> How? That's just like a line in passing? Are you fucking kidding me, my so-called life? Get back up. Back up a little bit. Let's, um, let's, let's look at that. Let's just... Let's but talk about that later on, on many levels. Later on, Graham did say that he, you know, the next day he went back to the store and got some cat litter. So I good, thought you were going to say he went back to the store and got him. a wife. Yeah, he picked up a wife. <laughs> he picked one out. Well, they do talk about this, like, gender issue a little bit every once in a while, gender roles, because he works for her. It's her printing company. It's her family's printing company that she now runs. And he... They were talking about that in that scene, actually. Like, she was saying she has to go solve a problem with some client that they fucked up an order or something. And she's like, I'll talk to him. He just, he trusts me and he knows me. And Graham is kind of, like, he does the sales and he does those things, but it's her business. And there is that tension. Mm -hmm. And that was brought up in the very first episode. Angela talks about how he should have been a chef, but now he does printing sales and he yeah, works for his wife, what which makes him feel to... weird. It's the 90s. It's the no, mid-90s. No, no, no. I'm saying, how is that related to her saying they need a wife? I don't know. That's such a weird, that's such a weird comment. Because they need a woman to come well, take exactly. care of the woman no, things. That's, one, that's what she's that's saying. One, I mean, obviously that is what she's saying, but it, which is super fucked up and just, what? How? But I like to think that she meant she wants a sister wife mm. and they want to go all big love style. Oh, so maybe there were more seasons of this show is what you're saying. This was actually the prequel to Big Love. Again, ahead of its time. Maybe they do that in the next couple episodes and then it got canceled because ABC was like, no. That was the line. No Mormon polygamy. Uh, I just realized something. Mm -hmm. And this is a really big deal that I, I need to apologize to everyone. I just realized that in our discussion of episode five, I said that Sharon had a pretty rad denim scrunchie, and it was actually episode six. Oh, my God. You know how many people just spent hours, like, fast-forwarding and rewinding yeah, through episode five looking for I the scrunchie? I don't see it. What the fuck is this, girl, this oh. woman talking about? This is the kind I'm of... I'm sorry. I just... I'm really, really sorry. We'll everyone. get better, you guys. This is only our, like fourth podcast basically so yeah look for that denim scrunchie in this episode oh here's a note i took on this episode <laughs> danielle kids trying so <laughs> hard to get someone to give a shit about her life again <laughs> oh that poor kid poor danielle god let's not look up the actress because it's going to be some terrible horrible story about how she never got another job and no one ever noticed her and she killed herself young or something or od'd all right, so let's get through this here. Yeah, um, we got to talk about the substitute. So he comes in. There are several montages. He throws their poems out and says they're garbage and terrible. And what does he say? He says they're false and they're fake and boring and stupid. And um, he makes them rewrite poems and they all read their poems and stuff. But then there's this crazy montage where like Rayanne shows up in class and she's not even in the class but she just wants to see this sub who has oh, yeah, mismatched socks and ricky's so like i've got to see famous. this guy people who, um, yeah who aren't then, in the class 
there's a scene where the whole classroom is just packed full of kids and they're sitting on the floor and they're sitting on the desks and they're standing in the back and there are candles. Oh, yeah. The candles? Tons of candles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would happen. And they're all writing poetry and they're all... It was like, oh, it's Dead Poets Society. Oh, totally. Except in high school and not like a public high school and the poems they were writing were still really shitty. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then there's the whole thing where they go through and read. He puts all the poems in a bag, paper bag, and he makes people pick out someone else's poem. Nobody wrote their names on them, and they all read them. And there's a sex poem. As lips taste my juicy sweetness, my legs tangle with his. We become one being, a burning furnace. In the cold cement basement of love. So the sex poem was actually Sharon's. That dirty Sharon. Oh, it's the scrunchie. (laughs) But nobody knows that. You even think it's Rayanne as a viewer for a long time, of course. They play it up like it's Rayanne's. But then Rayanne and Sharon are in the bathroom. Well, and Rayanne wants everyone to think that she wrote it. Yes, she's super excited about it. Because she's, you know, she has the most slut potential. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to ruin that. That's right. But, of course, Brian doesn't think that that kind of filth can be in the lit. Yeah, the magazine that they're publishing is called The Lit. That become it's the, the Liberty Lit. Strangely, Angela's parents are the ones that are going to print the lit. They always print the lit for the high school. So when the submissions come in, her parents read it and think, did Angela write the sex poem? And then mom goes in, Patty goes in to talk to the teacher and says, well, we can't print this. And he gives a speech about how that's manure because... Which, by the way, that was his best moment of the whole show, in my opinion. It was great. He He, was right. He says... Something about getting the kids questioning and thinking. Isn't that what all this is supposed to be about? Yeah. And and that actually made me want to go back to the classroom. Like, because that is, that is what it should be about, is getting kids talking and thinking and questioning and expressing mm-hmm. themselves. And so he's fighting for, he's like, this is supposed to give students a voice and we should let them express their voice, which yeah. I totally he... agreed with. And Patty's being a fucking bummer. But she comes around. She's she like, does. oh, you're right. So she they print does. the lit. Like you said, Angela woke up and the lit gets delivered. And they start passing it out. And then the principal sees it and he shuts it down. Oh, I hate the principal. Anybody distributing the book will get suspended. Is somebody going to kick him in the balls at some point? <laughs> I don't know. He was pretty terrible in this. And um, every, every time yeah. we've seen him. But then it it took all these twists where Angela decides... She's going to fight. This is the battle she's going to fight. And she talks to her parents. Her parents are like, we don't want you to do anything that will go on your permanent record and get you in trouble. We're worried about your future. And she throws it back in their face. Like, you talked about how dedicated you were to the anti-war movement. And well, wait, back stuff. up a little bit. Because okay. in the beginning, it, they, her parents really irritated the shit out of me in this episode. When she tells them that he threw her poem out the window, they're like, what? Why did you stand for that? What haven't we taught you to stand up for your rights? Yeah. And so she tries. She tries to talk to him about it and then of course he wins her over and blah blah blah, but whatever. So, but so they say that, but then they don't want her to stand up for the lit. The, right. the for the sex poem being in the lit. 
but then they do, but then they change their minds. And Graham, for some reason, comes in to talk to the principal. And I was like, why is he fighting her battles for her? Fuck off, dude. Basically, ultimately, her parents end up discouraging her from from standing up for this thing that she actually really cares about. And it it was very, very sad to me. And she was very sad. Yeah. So when Graham comes in, he's going to talk to the principal about how Angela's upset because her teacher got fired who was actually inspiring her and the principal stops him and says well I didn't get a chance to fire him because as soon as I read this to him and showed him this warrant for his arrest or whatever because we find out that Vic Racine is not his real name and he abandoned his family and he owes a lot of child support owes child support and he ran off and so there's a big dramatic scene on the steps with the kids where they chase him down because they think he's been fired and he plays into it and says yeah these injustices happen all the time and he's trying to inspire them again but we find out he's also just he doesn't want to tell the truth and he's a coward and he's terrible and but Angela's the only one that sees that he was right. They should print this in the lit and it yeah. was a good fight and just because he's kind of a turd doesn't mean that her fight isn't valid. So she goes back and continues it and the thing that really bugged me about the end of the episode is she goes in, her parents are on her side, they're all going to go in there. She's getting suspended cuz she was passing out the lit. She well, reprinted it. Well, she made it. more copies of it because the principal tried to destroy them all. Yeah. So she makes more copies of it. She's distributing it. She's going in to get suspended. Brian even offers to help, but they get stopped too early. Her parents are called. They come in. And the principal says, I'm not going to suspend you. I'm going to overlook this one mistake. Oh, God. And, and her it totally face. just. Oh, it takes all her power away. Yeah. It just takes. And she's so shattered. And her parents were there to support her and be like, no, you can't suspend her. This is a. A censorship issue right. and this is and then they were they so all of a sudden like, changed oh. and they're like yay okay great let's just all move on and that's right. how they're that like patting her on the back and like yay you didn't get suspended and she is visibly crushed she's yeah. so bummed she was trying to stand up for something and make some kind of little difference you know and they just took and it they all took away it away from, from her, her. And it, yeah I, I that was a very powerful part although <laughs> the power of it was i was distracted by when they went out in the hall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Angela and her parents, after this whole meeting, Angela's like super bummed that she's not suspended, that nothing's happening, that no one gives a shit about this. And her parents are like all happy and giddy and they hug her. And then the goodbye is so weird. Her dad... They pat her on the back and then... And then he sticks his hand in her face and waves. He does one of those weird waves. I don't know how to describe it. This is a podcast. I wish you could see... Hopefully you watched the episode and you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it was like his hand was about really three inches like... from her face, shaking really <laughs> just, fast, which is the standard Pittsburgh goodbye, I think. It was so strange. It's like what? Okay, maybe you should have reshot that. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, yeah, but I that was such ending. a bummer. Yeah, I agree with you. I also okay. So I don't mean who cares about him deserting his family, but a little bit who cares? Like his personal life has nothing to do with. Whether he's a good English I mean, I, teacher or right, and the and whether he was right about this whole thing, and whether he has an impact on students. I mean, teachers are just people; they're complex people. I mean, I I think that maybe the point is that they had put him on this pedestal, and or not they, Angela, yeah, and had then, put them, him on this pedestal, and then she finds out, you know, he's yeah. There's a scene he's where just a all shitty human being, like the everybody disillusionment else. 
yeah right but it but it's when she she realizes because then he tells her to drop out of school yeah get out of that terrible place yeah and she's like i don't think i want to do that but then anyway it ends up being the part where she is you know she takes the cause on herself because she realizes she really believes in it and she's not doing it for him anymore I was um, excited for that, but then they totally undermined her at the end and just left really it like sucked. that, which yeah. I guess is more realistic, you know? Kids yep. kids that are good kids that take a stand and try to do something get off the hook all the time, and the kids that are always the bad kids and are just behavior issues, yeah. they don't get I did. Hook, I but. did. I was thinking, you know, I, I do relate to Angela so much, but she's so much more together than, I mean, I was just a disaster at this age but i i really appreciated this episode i appreciated her so much because you know as i'm relating to her i'm thinking like i've always been an activist at heart i've always cared about things but i did not have my shit together enough to care or fight for anything at that age and so i thought it was really cool that she did that you know um and then uh the last couple things i want to say about this are i really fucking miss overalls oh so many overalls in these last two episodes right everybody had overalls on yeah i get really nostalgic when i see overalls i I loved overalls even ricky got in the overall game yeah maybe his first first appearance without a vest she's also been wearing a lot of plaid shorts with tights lately and i dig that too plaid shorts yeah with tights i think they're shorts they look like shorts maybe they're skirts but i they look like shorts to me Hmm. So that's it for episodes five and six of my so-called life. And that's it for I Never Saw That for this week. We are going to take a brief break from my so-called life. And next week we'll be talking about the 1995 film Hackers, which is suggested by some of our listeners. And speaking of our listeners, we would like to thank all of you. Uh, Thank you all very much for listening. We've been getting so much positive feedback uh, and it makes us really happy to hear that people are enjoying listening to this as much as we enjoy making it. It's been a lot of fun to have these conversations and learn about Montana and talk about these really good TV shows and movies. And uh, we're learning a lot about recording and editing and everything else too. And um, we recently started a Patreon campaign so we can make I Never Saw That even better. And we've been really overwhelmed by the response. So Now's the time for personal shoutouts, and uh, thank you and endless gratitude to the following people. Jessica and Scott, Laurel, Eileen, Rachel, Crystal and Corbin, Elizabeth, Joshua and Sarai, Brandy and Michael, Clarissa and Eric, Levi and Bree, Chris and Bill, Allison, and Aaron and Laura, and Mel and Rebecca. We owe some of you thank you videos, and we are in the process of getting those burned to Laserdisc, which takes a long time because those things are so big. So uh, just wait a little bit for that, but we'll get them to you. (laughs) If you would like to join those generous people and receive rewards for doing so, please check out our Patreon page. Um, It's going to help us be able to keep doing this podcast and also get better at it and get better equipment and stuff like that. So we could really use your support. Our first goal is to get to 50 patrons. We're at 14 right now, uh, which is great. Um, But once we get to 50, we are going to open up some new ways for you all to participate with us. (laughs) I'm thinking of accepting submissions of drawings of tattoos for me. For her. 
for her to get. From to our listeners, from our patrons. You know, something related to the show that I have to have permanently put on my body. So help us get to 50 patrons. And I'm thinking... you might get to design a tattoo for me. So yeah, that's patreon.com slash I never saw that podcast. And thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy I Never Saw That, please tell your friends, review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, and join our Facebook group. You can find all of that on INeverSawThat.com. There's also a link to our Patreon there. Um, And if you're going to rent or purchase any of the things we're talking about, please use the links on the website or in our episode descriptions on iTunes um, or on Amazon, and we'll get a small commission. Um, It doesn't cost you anything extra, so that's another way to support us. We'd like to thank Minus Violet for our theme music. Thanks to Graham McRae for our artwork. And thanks to Fifi Folios for all of our internet's web being cyber stuff. Uh, you can find links to Graham McRae and Fifi Folios on our website. I never saw that.com. Until next time, see, see you in, in the, the 90s. 90s.